Oh yes, it's while I talk and you're listening. Oh yes, it's while I talk. Oh, what a night. <laughs> Once again, I hate it, but I'm not going to redo it. <laughs> I thought about that as a drive over. Uh, hey everybody, this is While I Talk, I'm Dan. I will. We are on episode 473. We are in the... Midst of a beautiful stretch of weather here in northern Minnesota. Was it 80 degrees today? 80 degrees. Low humidity. Low humidity. That's yeah. the key. Be beautiful. And we're chipper. We're happy campers right now. What a week we had, huh? I think it's we're we're in in good shape right now. It just doesn't seem like it was that long. The the, the hot and humid. The hot and humid. Yeah. And we could get beat up by another one. But oh, really? It's more than likely. It's. But it won't. It, it won't be an. Five days, maybe. Five, five more days of hot stuff, maybe. And maybe not. We could get we could get it, you know, you get a couple weeks into August and those chances go way down. Yeah. You um, know the big thing? When the nights cool off. When we get into the, we ha- we were down to like 54 yeah. one day. Do you, that was so refreshing. Right. Right. I stepped out and I was like, oh, I can breathe again. Because it was like that humidity broke. Right. I was exactly. like, Wow. And what was interesting about that week where it was so humid is we had a bunch of weather come through, and often that stuff will drop the humidity out. You know, giant storm comes through, and I was like, okay, this is it, and stepped out afterwards, like, oh, still feels like it's raining, <laughs> like in the rain right now. <laughs> um, we are at near the end of July. Uh, this week's episode, we're going to do a week in review, as always. We've got a bunch of listener questions. We're, uh, we got a couple of little graph tips we're going to go through, too. Specific to the mapping part right. of the, the graph. And uh, we, this one might, be, might get pretty fun. We're going we're gonna to go kind of talk you through how to net a fish and what, what each person's responsibility is as far as the, the process of it all goes. Net uh, guy and guy with the fisher. Yeah, netter and netty. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, because it's not always perfect. You right. can't expect it to be. No. And uh, we've got some ex- some not-so-perfect examples. <laughs> uh, and then I'm up for a what-if. We'll do a week in preview, which mm. I'm excited about. I'm pretty excited for this week. Yeah, and then uh, then we're done for the we're day. Done. I've got league uh, league dinner tonight. Oh, yeah. Ceremonies. Go drink a few Pepsis and yeah, have a good time. Yeah, eat a Huddles burger. Sounds mm-hmm. good. I'm going fishing. Got the evening off, so I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to catch a muskie by myself. And then, just like Eric said, I'm going to be screaming out there. <laughs> uh, first, a word from our sponsors. Having fun in the sun on the lake all day long. Porta-Doc.com. Porta-Doc.com. Find your local Porta-Doc dealer today. Porta-Doc.com. Can I just share a completely random fishing story that doesn't have anything to do with us or what we're talking about, but it's one of my favorites? Uh-huh. So my very good friend, Lee Clancy, he's a guy I've fished tournaments with and stuff. Uh-huh. He's the son-in-law of Gary Clancy. So I'm. this is a recycled story, but I feel like it's just great for people to hear it. And I thought of it because my dog is sitting at my feet right now. So Gary was a super accomplished outdoorsman. Um... And he wrote for Outdoor News. He had a dog earlier on in his life, and this dog was bonkers about fishing. 
And my, I had my first lab was bonkers about fishing. She loved to go fishing. She knew what drag sounded like. Lots of people, especially with labs, I feel like the labs figure out, like, we're, we're hunting for food right now. <laughs> so this dog was nuts about fishing. And Gary was a very good musky fisherman. <laughs> he was fishing by himself, I think on Pike Bay, with this dog. And he caught like a 52 just him and the dog jumbo just a jumbo and if i remember the story correctly i think he jigged it up i think he marked the fish and dropped a a tube jig on it and caught it no i i could be mixing two stories that's one story for sure anyways he catches this 52 inch muskie with a dog who loves to fish gets gets the fish in the boat to unhook it and the dog pukes (laughs) What? The dog was so excited, it <laughs> threw up in the boat. <laughs> uh, I just think that's great. <laughs> uh, anyway, how was your week? Uh, I musky fished three times, and I walleye fished once. And musky fishing was pretty good. Had a couple chances at fish that I screwed up because I... You know, me being such a calm person. <laughs> um, I freaked out when they bit. Uh, one was on a topwater. One of them on leech. I was using a jerk bait and I didn't see it. And I pulled my jerk bait out of the water and then it shows up. So I dropped, I put my rod under the water like two, three feet. Mm-hmm. And I started like twitching it because it was a hellhound. And I twitched it a couple times and whammy. And I was, uh, I saw it bite and I just <laughs> set the hook and then, uh, <laughs> and nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> and then I was up with Mark up on a lake by Rapids. And uh, we ended up seeing nine that night. Wow. And uh, I had one bite there. And, you know, it felt like it was a fire-breathing dragon coming after me. And <laughs> my lure come flinging back. And it was like, oops. But, yeah, that was fun. And then I had a, I had one of the best days in July I think I've ever had. Where, or especially around here on these little lakes. Yeah. We ended up getting 18. Nice. And we, uh, we filled out, or my customers filled out, and uh, it was truly spectacular. Just a great night. And I caught, like, a, I caught a 20-inch smallmouth. Ooh, duh. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. I was like, whoa, this is, a, this is a big fish. And then I took off, and I was like, oh, okay, this is not a walk. <laughs> but it was, that was sweet. That was one of the biggest smallmouth I've ever caught. I think I've caught one bigger, but sure. it was healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I My walleye spots overlap with smallmouth spots more late summer and fall than they do in the spring. I'll catch a few in the spring, but I catch a lot uh, in August and September especially. And they're a like, nice little addition to your day. For sure. Especially drag pullers. Just the hardest ones to net. Have you ever noticed that? Yes. I mean, we're we're gonna, I, we're gonna cover that because the, the toughest ones to net. They get they get angry. Yep. Yep. There's angry a reason the they boat. have red eyes. <laughs> <laughs> they start out brown under the water. <laughs> Once they see the boat, they turn pissed. red. Prove me wrong, I dare you. <laughs> uh, they great. turn red at the sight of humans. <laughs> oh, but it was it was a great week. How was your week? It was good. Uh, lots of of the typical July stuff that Dan does. I mostly pan fishing trips with some. Uh, I had one musky trip. Well, that I think it was the day before we did the last podcast. Maybe I had a a real fun musky trip where 
we we saw a handful of fish and they were they were really good chasers you know so like everybody got to watch one chase a figure eight two times completely through wow another one in the high 40s was just like hot on a bait and went halfway through a figure eight and then a guy hooked one and lost it at the boat bit bit four feet from the boat and uh i mean it, it was a good trip and then i haven't had it i haven't had the opportunity to chase walleyes very much but i did have the day off on sunday and my buddy jason our buddy jason fried and i went fishing mm-hmm. and that was super fun uh i love talking to guides because they have they have guide life stories and jason's got plenty of them and it's often i think about like he'll say something and he said a couple things and i just laughed like crazy and then in hindsight realize like nobody else would laugh at that <laughs> you know except the ins and outs of being a of being a guide but I got to actually, like, specifically target walleyes, and, and we caught a few and had a good time. He uh, he gave me a shout-out on Facebook, and he didn't mention that he outfished me big time. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for that, Jason. Uh, yeah, and we caught him on jig wraps. Um, most of them on jig wraps. Jason caught one, like, exactly three seconds after we decided to fish a jig wrap. He had a 21-inch walleye on. Like, yeah, right, this is working out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, panfish are going good, lots of crappie fishing, all the little lakes around here are pretty consistent for that, and, yeah. So, you just, you said something, like, that I can really relate to, so, uh, guy at the store bought a Honda SI, which is like a sports edition or something like that. Okay. It's car. Okay. And I walked up to it and I was like, oh, your Honda's got side image. <laughs> and, like, nobody got it. <laughs> Come on. It's a Honda SI. Your Honda has side image. That's hilarious. I think it's great. <laughs> the good thing in life is you don't, you don't, not everybody needs to know that. Just You just need to have a couple people who know that. I thought it was great. <laughs> we had a conversation last year about our spirit walleye. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great topic. Like, pick your, not just, like, you, everybody's heard of a spirit animal, but right. pick your walleye that is your spirit walleye. And I thought it was just the funniest <laughs> thing ever, matching somebody's personality to a specific, like, type of walleye. So we just talked about it last week. If you ever, like, the 30 you're going to catch in the future. Right. Is going to come <laughs> off of one lake. Yeah. And it, we had men- you mentioned him earlier in the in the podcast, Lee Clancy, you're gonna catch the Lee Clancy yeah, of yeah. thirty inches. Just a grungy, things gonna be up. sweating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk about it be the only walleye that stinks. Like when I caught it, <laughs> it's gonna be fifty two degree water temp, and it's just red, beaten with sweat. Uh, only funny to a few people. Hopefully, the people who listen to this podcast. Uh, um, we have a bunch of listener questions. And I'm very thankful for that. We had we asked. We haven't for had one in a while. No, a couple episodes. So we got a we got a bunch of them. We're just gonna knock them out um, real quick. Some of them will probably be short. Some of them will be a little bit faster, longer. Matt Alger. God, I can't read your writing. I can read it. Where do you look for crappies? Uh, this time you're... All right, yeah, quick breakdown of the crappie thing. It's in, if you want a more in-depth one, if you listen to last year's episodes, this time of year, that's, we talked about it a lot. Um, but it's very, it's, what's great about it is you can replicate it. 
So like some of the stuff we talk about on with our walleye fishing is very specific to the lake we're fishing. Right. The once you agree the crappie thing, you can do copy and paste. Yeah, you can copy and paste it on just about any lake. Mm-hmm. And it and I am also confident if you cover the lake and cover the habitat w- that we're gonna discuss, you're gonna catch walleye. You're gonna uh, crappies. And well, you're gonna catch both of them. Right. Right. I was just gonna say like that if you cover the the habitat that we're discussing, if you don't catch crappies or not that very not that many, you should just maybe fish a different lake. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I think that if you cover this habitat and don't catch them, there's just maybe not that many in there this time of year. I get what you're getting at. I understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. All right. So you do it. You do the first. Um, What do you look for? So I, so what I'll do is I'll go on a map and I'll look for cabbage beds. Uh, I really want to see lush green vegetation on like Google maps. Uh, I zoom in. Okay. There's cabbage here, here, here. Uh, after looking, so I'll look on the like the Navionics map, look for big flats. Yeah. Then I'll go to the GPS, like the Google Maps, zoom in, look for the see what kind of vegetation there. If it's lily pads, I'm certainly not going to fish there right. right now. Right. I'm looking for deeper cabbage. Right. Um. Then I'll go in the boat and I'll check it out, and then it's a lot of you know six. It's sixteen ounce jigs. Yeah. Sixteen ounce jigs and cast them and. Yeah, 16th ounce jig and a minnow or a plastic, a plastic or a night that you feel, feel comfortable with. Um, I don't I don't think it's all cabbage. I think maybe there's a connection to having some cabbage around, but most of the fish that I find right now are in eelgrass or, or wild celery is another name for it. You can just Google it or look it up on the Minnesota DNR page. Um, it just looks like a blade of grass. And I think what's maybe more important than like, like you're right that it's not pad edge fish like that's not it you need vegetation outside of the pads and whether that's a flat or a point or whatever the the type of structure can change quite a bit but you're looking for vegetation outside of that that's the key yeah i i did have a lake i had to change i i had to move the trip because all i was finding on that this lake which was you know fairly new to me was pads and then steep break pads steep break that's not going to work for in the in the the couple crappies I did catch were on what we're des- describing. So your graph is going to read 12 to 16 feet of water. All depends on your clarity. Right. 12 to 16 feet of water, and I'm really more concerned with the space between the top of the water and the tops of the weeds. Right. And that should be four and a half to seven feet, five right. to seven feet. You do. You have to have separation from the tops. Yep. You have, this isn't a, you have to have it. Mm-hmm. Especially this time of year, um, you have to have that separation between the what what's growing in the top of, in the surface of the water. Right, now. right. But the fish are often only like four or five feet under the boat, right. or at least that's where they're gonna bite. They might be living in the in the stuff and they're coming gonna up. They're gonna come up to yep. eat. Yep. And then, gosh, I points flats inside turns like fishy stuff in general. Right. Leads to better bites, and wind driven stuff leads to better bites. But they do have a home. My biggest tip for this time of year, leave the bobbers at home. I think that's right. Every... you got to keep moving. Yeah. These fish are hot. They're aggressive. Right. If they wanted something dead just laying there, they could get that all day. They want something moving and, you know, full of nutrients. Right. They don't want something decaying. Almost every time 
I have a, a good crappie trip at the end of the trip because folks are looking to, to do it again or to, like, maybe do it on their own. They're like, you don't think bobbers would work in that? And I said, maybe. Maybe they would, but I'm not going to change what I'm doing. I, I'd, I'd rather swim a jig over the top. I feel like it's a much more aggressive approach, covering more water. But I think the reason I get asked that so often is you do deal with, like, Weeds. dirty jigs all the time. You know, like, you have to be in that stuff and getting your jig in it or you're not going to catch them. It's worth the pain in the butt. I think so. But I also haven't tried it. I haven't... I've never tried a bobber, bobber plan on, on this midsummer bite that we get on. So maybe it'd work. But I want to be moving stuff. Yeah, you want to be as... You want to go over as many fish as possible. Right. It's the same... It's the same principle of like walleye fishing you know you want to get in front of as many fish as possible you're not going to do that if you're sitting still yeah also i i preach this a lot and i don't always have good buy-in on it you don't when you're fishing that 16th ounce jig trying to swim it across the tops of the weeds you don't really need to know if it's a fish or a weed oh you just set the hook what i tell folks is just break your wrist over just flick your wrist over if it's a fish you're gonna know right away and if it's a weed no harm, no foul. Hopefully, if anything, you just plucked it through there and you mm-hmm. can keep swimming that jig back. It, I do think that folks miss bites because they, they try to figure it out. And you don't have to. Right. You don't really want a big hook set on a crappie. You're going to rip it right out of them. Yeah, we, let's not go too far into that. If Good you want to hear more, mid-July, our mid-July episodes last year, we Full talked about it a lot. Yep. Um, next thing is from Brett MacArthur. McCarter, um, he's got a small boat, and he wants to know about these Longville area lakes. So, sure, like they'll give different give, characteristics. We'll give, we'll give him a rundown of what right. we what we've got. All right, I'll just start with woman. Walleyes on woman are really tough right now. There's, I think, there are a few people catching some fish on spinners out there. I think in prime time you can catch them on jig wraps. There's a lot of walleyes in Woman Lake. The reputation that it has for me is I'm not going to spend a lot of time during my my mid my my light light hours fishing for them. Um, me and her we have a we have a difference in opinion. <laughs> uh, uh, so if you're a big jig fisherman, uh, it's not the time of year to be doing that out there anyhow. No. Nope. Um, it's a really clear lake. There's a ton of food out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a, a good alternate way to get them is pulling crankbaits. Yep. Cover water. Yep. And fish them to react. Fish in low light or after dark. Right. Yep. That's a good way. To, that's if, a pretty. If cool you are cliff. like, if you feel real good about your your walleye, like if you feel like you're a pretty well-rounded walleye angler and you want a challenge, go catch a couple woman lake walleyes. You you could maybe do it, and you should feel real good if you do. Absolutely. It's it's a it's a tough one this time of year, but they're out there. A lot of guys I talk to are like, God, I'm over walleyes all the time. Just can't get them to bite. Yep. Tis the season. That's why I'm crappie fishing. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about, like, Inguidona, little boy, uh, big boy. The di- mid, you know, they're not real clear. They're, they're pretty deep. Right. Um, kind of uh, have the same hab- habitual. Yeah, and I think part of it is they just get a reputation in being on, being on them They'll, like, heat up year to year. Like, each year we'll get a little one that does real well for us. And we know that, and that's where we're going to spend our time for walleye fishing. And then tactics, 
don't change a whole lot. Probably between the three of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wabado, we probably is the one we spend the most time in the weeds on. Yeah. The other ones will do a mix of the weeds and some offshore stuff for sure. Um, and gosh, I don't know. Um, you on those lakes, they've got a pretty like their their weed lines vary, but you're looking for firm bottoms near the weeds. Yeah. Yep. What what I tend to look for. Sure. So uh, keep an eye on that because uh, they they can really produce at mm-hmm. certain times of the year, especially like right now. Right. They can really produce if you find that firm bottom on that weed edge. So, I'd say um, Nightcrawler probably catches most of my fish on, on these smaller lakes, and right behind that would be a, a real good big minnow. I'm hoping that the, real, the big minnow thing gets going on these little lakes. The fun thing about these little lakes is they'll surprise you with the size of fish they'll kick out, you know? That when we, when I had that just the other day when we caught all those fish, our average size was probably over, like over 16 and we had a lot of fish over 20. Sure. It was, and that's on one of these little lakes. Right. That's right. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> what you should keep in mind though is like 2019, 20, we talked about this, like the lake you're talking about, it might be 2018 to 2020, Lake X was great. And then 2020 to 2022, not so good, but luckily Lake Z right. is is doing what Lake X was doing for this two-year period. They're going to they're going to peak keep and doing drop. A, a revolving a revolving door. Right. Um, and then if you if you have like once you start to learn the the little lakes, then you can choose which one you want to be on with the conditions that line up with the day you're fishing you know so like real clear calm lake like tough walleye day i I might choose wabado to fish a tough walleye day you know darker water weeds are where i find them anyway um whereas another lake like inguidona or little boy that's a lake i i'd probably seek out specifically when the weather is is the wind's blowing into the areas that you want exactly fishing exactly so you got five waypoints on three different lakes which ones are getting blown with a with a west wind right that's how you maybe choose which one of these little ones to fish and if you want to catch walleyes don't avoid those because the wind is blowing in there you want don't go for comfort go for success right if you want to go for comfort bring your pontoon somewhere else <laughs> Spoken like a true Taylor guy. Wait, are you gonna buy a wheelboat though? No. No? No. I heard maybe No. Alright. Why do you gotta do this to me? I'm not gonna own a wheelboat. I talked to you about the monies. Okay? I wanna know if it's worth it for the monies. Sure. It's but now you make it just impossible for me to even have a conversation with you. It's I don't want it. Uh, I'm sorry. Let's take a break. Let's take a break. You can cool down. We'll hear from one of our sponsors, and then uh, we'll cover the rest of the listener questions. Are you not talking to me? All right, we'll take a break. This Tackle Tip of the Week is presented by The One Stop in Longo. My Tackle Tip of the Week is not less so about tackle, but more about preserving your bait. Uh, it's real hot this time of year, and the one thing I really suggest you have, if you don't already have it, is either an angle cooler or a Fraybill Magnum bait station. Uh, they both come with aerators. They're both heavily insulated. Keep your big minnows alive. They're, we've got all the sizes of the Frabel Magnum bait coolers and the angle coolers at the one stop. Come in, check them out, buy a couple. That's it. 
Okay, we are back. We've got one more listener question. Who's this one from? Scott B, because I couldn't spell his last name. All right, fair enough. Um, so he's talking about last week we had a, a tip about uh, about buying new rods for or having mm. rods for the specific situations, and he was curious about those specific situations. Um, so Dan and I run Fenwick rods, pretty much. Yep. That's what we run. Um, so really, in my eyes, there's like three or four situations where you're going to need a different rod, right? Yep. Um, one of them's jigging. Mm-hmm. One of them's a jig wrap rod, right? Yep. And then a Lindy rigging rod. Yeah. Those are like the three main concerns of mine. Sure. Yep. And I think that would overlap a lot with our audience. Like, those are three staples. Every probably, Everybody probably dabbles in those. Right. So, you want to do your breakdown of what you... How about I cover jigging rods? so what i use for jigging rods and i'm kind of moving away from using more medium lights and moving to more mediums especially if i'm leech lake drift fishing uh because i tend to have a pile of line out and i don't think especially with monos and you know customers who don't necessarily have that much experience setting the hook um that you almost need that little more power to to lay into them so a six six medium HMG is what I put in most people's hands. Yep. Um, with a quarter ounce jig on a windy day. That's pretty much what I run. Um, my specific rod that I have for jigging is a 6.8 medium world-class rod. It's their high-end rod. Their Fenwick's high-end rod. Yeah, yep. Fenwick's high-end rod. And that sucker is... It, it's incredible. It's yep. like... I pulled it from the stone myself. <laughs> that sucker is unbelievable. Yeah. It's like Thor dropped his hammer right into my hands. <laughs> and here we go. And uh, it's it's really been a... It's, it's really a treat to be able to fish with something that so high quality. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's not saying that, like, oh, I don't enjoy it when I'm fishing with it. With, like, an HMG in comparison. I sure do, and I still fish with all my rods. It's just this one kind of holds a special place, you know? Right, yeah. This sucker. That is something to, like, consider. So, well, first of all, I should point out, like, I really... Fenwick does a nice job. An HMG is a $100 rod. Yes. And I am completely confident handing that rod to a customer and knowing that they're going to be able to feel and do whatever they want with a hundred dollar rod mm-hmm. and a lifetime warranty like that's, that's pretty on sweet that's a pretty good deal um i know i mean a hundred bucks can sound like a lot of money but you don't need that many of them they're going to last you a long time if you break it you got a lifetime warranty right. so a hundred bucks and then you want a little bit nicer rod 50 more bucks you got an elite tech 50 more bucks, and it is noticeable. They are nicer rods. For sure. 50 more bucks, you've got an Atos, and it's noticeable. They are a nicer rod. 100 more bucks to the world class, and that is a premium, premium premium. So I feel like they do a nice job with price points, what's affordable, and even, you know, I fished with HMXs a lot early on. And then Eagles as well. Eagles, yeah. yeah. I started my career with all Eagles. Right. And they're... They're tip top, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've caught a lot of fish with eagles, especially when you're jigging. They're great jigging rods because they've got a nice taper to them. Sure. If I were to make a suggestion, though, I'd suggest an HMG. Mm-hmm. HMG or better based on your budget. But 
you're going to be really, really happy with an HMG, and it doesn't matter if you're rigging, jigging, or jig wrapping. I actually almost prefer the HMGs for jig wrapping over my Elite Tech that I've got the for handle? jig wrapping. The handle, and it just feels a little bit better. I can't even really explain why, but I feel like I just feels a little bit better. Um, what do you use for a jig wrap slash spin rod? All right, so a medium action for sure, and most of them are 6.9s in uh, either in either HMGs or Elite Techs. Um, I do like the feel of the Elite Techs. I feel like you definitely pick up a little bit more information. You, you know, we've talked about sometimes you get that little tick of them when they catch it, mm-hmm. and you feel that a lot better on an Elite Tech than an HMG. Medium action, you got to have some backbone to it, and... Um, I, 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 I've got one six, six, and I really do prefer the longer rods. Now, even if I'm vertically jigging, I, I, which I don't do a whole lot anymore. I, I like a longer rod for it. I feel like they're it, a little longer rod. You've got a little longer backbone and we've talked about, you can play catch up when you're, especially when you're upstroke. Yep. Y- you've got, while well, you're looking at angles, Yeah. you know, you've got more of an angle with a longer rod Yep. and you can catch up with it. Yeah. And then rigging, same thing, 6'9", or even a little longer. That 6'9", medium light, mm-hmm. is the money. I, I think, and longer is okay, too. I think longer can be good for, for rigging as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm all about the Fenwicks. Yeah. I will, just, just so you don't know, or don't say I'm completely biased based off of our sponsorship, I've got an Icon, a St. Croix Icon, as a rigging rod, and a, that is a great rigging rod. And fishing with Jason, I noticed he had one too. It was like his big minnow rod. Really? And I've got some good, good memories with that icon. Um, I don't even know if they make those anymore, do they? I have no idea. Yeah. Plenty of good rod companies out there. Uh, the price points ba- are based on your budget. And then why I like Fenwick so much is largely because of the warranty. Right. You know, you don't have to worry so much about You don't have to spend 100 bucks to get your rod back. Right. Yeah. And that's ridiculous. That is just absurd. Yeah. Yeah, that was our that was our last listener last, question. Yeah, we had lots of them. Thank you for those. Um, please keep sending us more. Um, real quickly, couple graph tips. This was popped in my head, and it was actually my own little mistake I was making in the day. But I think when you're dealing with your mapping on your on your graph. You should be really aware of, of your scale. And you said as a general rule, I want to have that scale as small as possible. And I would generally agree with that. So each, if you're a bird guy, they've got a little bar that shows you your scale. Um, same thing with Lorances. I think it's in a different location. Lorances slides in and out a lot different than... I think they've got smaller increments maybe between their scales. Um, but you should be pretty aware of that, especially if you're trying to hug a spot, if you think fish are tight to a specific spot. Being aware of that you should have your map zoomed in a long way. If you've got your map on 200 feet right. and, and you're, you're trying to hug a, a spot, point. Mm-hmm, yeah. you're not, you're not going to be doing what you think you're doing. Um, so one little tip on that. And then, because uh, even one of my crappie spots, which is can make my, my guide day right now. Right. It's as big as, it's from me to the truck away. That's how big that spot is. 15 feet. And if I'm not there, feet. if I'm not right on that spot, I'm not catching them. And it, it would look like on your map, if you were on 100 feet, that, yeah, I'm right here. Why aren't, uh, maybe the fish aren't here. 
but it's the scale makes a big difference. And then you can use that scale a lot of different ways. So I spent a lot of time slip bobber fishing earlier this year, and if you're paying attention to your scale, you have a really good idea. You probably maybe you don't want to be right on the fish, right? You want to be off, off of them, them a little bit. Yeah. And if you pay attention to the scale and see, okay, I'm I'm 30 feet away from where the fish are, then you can make a 30-foot cast, and that's going to equal the bobber coming down more often than, than not, just like that bottle cap went down. Oops. <laughs> you want to add anything about this? Uh, no, you got it. So, me? Yeah, you got it. All right. Finally, I'm a North Up guy. I think North Up is the way to live your life. <laughs> I know lots of good fishermen who aren't North Up, but I think... If you're, first of all, the world doesn't revolve around you, so like the the world isn't <laughs> rotating based on you, and then secondly, if you have a basic understanding of your directions, then you're not waiting for your map to update which direction your boat is facing to get an idea of where you where the fish are. Especially from you. if you pull a one eighty, <laughs> then you're waiting a long time for it to catch up with you. Right. Whereas if you just generally know, like, okay, this is north. Uh, my waypoint is northwest to where I'm at right now. I'm going to cast northwest. I, that's a much better way to live your life. <laughs> that's it. Just That was just a Dan rant. I thought, ever, you, if, I thought you were going to say something, and it just turned no, to me ranting. You're about doing maps. a great job. I like Sometimes maps. I like to listen. <laughs> I thought you were saying really good things there. Thanks. You're welcome. Let's take a break. Okay. Hey everybody, this week's episode is brought to you in part by Full Stringer Bait and Tackle. We are getting to a time of year where lots of bait shops are running out of quality leeches. Uh, That is not the case at Full Stringer Bait and Tackle. Make sure to step in and find yourself some nice, large leeches. I think we should start with the with the stories of us doing dumb stuff with nets. Uh, So we don't sound too preachy. I've, I've really... Screwed, screwed up a few times with the net. Mm-hmm. Um, once I brought up with we went musky fishing yesterday, and you know you always end up you end up talking quite a bit when you're musky fishing because yeah. well you just got a lot of time to do that right. Um, and uh, it, I was fishing with Mark. It was a few years ago, quite a few years ago, probably six seven years ago, and we were fishing muskies after dark, and boom he gets bit. And it's a, you know, mid to upper 40s fish, you know, looking like 47, 46. And it eats right at the boat, and it's, like, right there thrashing around. And I could have I put it in the net, okay? But I thought, okay, this fish ain't done. Mm-hmm. Let it, let's fight it a little bit. And, you know, he's doing the right things. He's loosening his drag a little bit, let it run. And he starts bringing it back, and it popped off. And I was sitting there with the net. I could have scooped it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to hurt the fish. Sure. And I didn't want to make a mess. And, you know, I thought he had good hooks. Like, I personally thought he had plenty of hooks in it. And it popped off. And he reminds me of that to this day. <laughs> and I didn't net his fish for him. That was one fish five, six years ago. I didn't net. <laughs> hmm. Uh-huh. Um, my, I think it was my second year guiding. And I just... Uh, well, I had a full boat to start. I think I had, well, I had two guys to start with. One guy, one guy got sick. He got seasick on Leech Lake and got off. And so it was just me and this old timer fishing together. 
and we we did catch a bunch of fish, but one of the better fish. Uh, we were jigging a minnow. I think this one came off a hump, so it was coming up pretty straight. And I just looked that thing straight in the eye, and I went to net it, and I just bonked it right on the nose, <laughs> right where the jig was. I just smashed the front of the of the net right into the right into the jig, and that fish just like paused for a second, like shook itself, and swam off. <laughs> And there's like a second of like hesitation, you know, neither one of us saying anything. And he goes, let's just pretend that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, I forgot all about this. So, the other night, um, we had a nice fish, like a 20-incher. And I netted it, and they didn't have like the cameras or anything, and they wanted to take a picture of it. Mm-hmm. So, I went to, I put it, I thought I put it back into the net, and then I put my net into the water. And evidently, my hoop, my net was like tangled up and it wasn't like the, where I was throwing it wasn't representing the hoop yep and I must have just threw it into the net like halfway yeah and I put it back in the water to keep it in the water for a little bit longer and the thing just swam away <laughs> <laughs> alright so that's a good like starting point we have done some dumb stuff with nets now how do you do it correctly most of the time let's stick to walleye fishing too. Let's not dive into the musky stuff. Okay. Um, so if you're if netting I, a fish, right? I'm a net man, right? If I'm if the other person's fighting and I got the net in my hands, mm-hmm. um, net boy, can we maybe call you a net boy? That'd be a negative ghost rider. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I'm waiting for that fish to get up to the surface, and ideally that that rod person is bringing the fish to you. You're not really lunging all that much. Sure. You're, you're kind of waiting for that fish to be brought into the net. And then once that fish is all, like you get three quarters of that fish in the net, then you're pulling up, you're, you're going towards that tail fin and pulling up. Yep. But you always want to scoop from head first. Yep. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. Don't want to be overly aggressive as the net guy. <laughs> yeah, that's how you punch one in the forehead. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Most of the time. And, and there's a few instances now, I mean, since it's our job, where I'm worried about the fish coming off. Like, like for one example, it would be a pike where we're fishing a jig and I can't see the jig, yeah, right? right? I'm going to be aggressive about trying to net that mm-hmm. fish because I think if it gets its head out of the water and shakes it all, we're, we're it's done. It's gone. Yep. yep. Um, but in general, you don't want to be overly aggressive as the net guy, and you want to yep, scoop head first. You don't want to have the net necessarily in the water too early. And also, like, keep in mind, especially with, like, big walleyes, pike, smallmouth for sure. Um, I guess I'm not keeping this walleye specific, but it does, doesn't matter. That if you go to net them, if you, if you dip it in and they make a run as soon as you touch that thing into the water, your main job is to get that net out of the get water. Get it out of the way. Don't try to, like, catch up to the fish and catch <laughs> the fish with the net. If it makes a run... Like, that's fine. Like, you, you were right to, to try at it, but if it makes a run, get it out of the way. Let that guy fight it back up to the right. water. A net should never be more than, more than like, the net's depth right. into the water. The you hoop. Sh- you should not be dipping your hands in the water trying to get one five feet down. That's, that's a bad plan. Don't you think? I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, and from... Uh, like a fisherman's standpoint, like if you have the fish, it's your job to direct. Like if you're not like a, unless you're fishing with a guide, 
who should know what he's doing with the net. Um, it's your job to direct kind of the net and and be like in charge of the whole situation, right? Yeah. Like yeah. if you like if you've got a Lindy Wade on and or if it doesn't matter, I guess. So if you're pulling that fish up, make sure that you don't have a ton of line out, or make sure you don't have a super short amount of line out, and you also don't want to have a ton of line out when you're telling this person to put that net in the water. Right. And you're tr- you're doing your best to try and direct this fish into that net. So whether or not that's if if that person with the net's not in position, it's your job to kind of get him into position, him or her into position. Or and usually it's more about like you maybe moving right like maybe you should be moving to allow your the net person to be in a better position right yeah Co- a couple other things about that I think you should I'm trying to think of how I net fish like in a tournament with my with my buddies I don't think I ever have less than six feet of line out when that when they net that fish more often I have more than six feet of line out so a couple things about that like one. If you've got six plus feet of line out, you still have some some flexibility in your whole the whole arrangement, you right. know, and um, so that fish is less li- likely to come unhooked. Um, two, you're not aiming a like loaded up rod at your net guy, which is something we <laughs> deal with quite a bit, you know, based on the rod angle. Like your rod shouldn't be loaded up eighteen inches from the net guy's face, right. you know. That thing comes up comes loose. You've got two things that can happen. You can get a rod tip across the cheeks, yep. or you can take a jig yeah. to the forehead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Not so great. Your rod angle should not line up with your net guy. Um, <laughs> that should all be taken care of beforehand. Yeah. Before you get there. <laughs> right. And then uh, I also like you got to keep the fish in the water. Like lots of folks will they pull that fish right out of the water. Yeah. And that's not a good thing. That right. that's not a good thing for you. You you want to take a picture with this fish, keep that fish in the water until the until they're right. They should be breaking Down the deep, surface. And as soon as they break the surface, that's when the that guy's should there. Be there. Yep. yep. Yeah. It, it should be simultaneous. It's a timing thing for sure. But also a safety thing. I gosh, I I cringe sometimes when I'm going to going to net one. Like, gosh, I hope he keeps his hook. If if the hook's not in his face, it's gonna be in my face right now. I can. I'm just looking at you right now, picturing me with an eye <laughs> eye patch, <laughs> Captain Dan. Yar. It is an art, though. You have to but buy a yar craft. If you if you think you're a perfect net guy, you're not. Everybody makes net guy mistakes. Mm-hmm. I get so jacked up though. I feel like I make more mistakes than most people get when, all fired up. When you're netting them? Yeah, because I'm all fired up about somebody catching a fish. Yeah. Oh, one other thing. If you are the, the guy catching the fish, right, you you should, like, so we mentioned smallmouth. Smallmouth are, like, notorious, notorious for circling under the boat, for digging under the boat. Mm-hmm. And big walleyes will do the same thing. If you're if you're the guy fighting the fish, you should have your rod tip as far away from the boat as you can comfortably. Right. Because your the whole idea is get this thing away from underneath the boat. Right. Because that if it's is rubbing a very, against the boat. All sorts of bad stuff. Right. All sorts of bad stuff and the hardest angle for the net guy because he has to sort of guess as to where he thinks that fish is going to show up if he can't see it if it's under the boat. Right. So get that thing out away from it. Get it out there. Get away from Get out of here. Yeah, get out of here. 
This is gonna be a long one. This is, it's been fun though. We're I like done. I like the net job one. Um, I almost botched a net job for Jason. Did you? It was his big one too. He caught like a twenty five, twenty six. The yeah, other was, thing is like it was on accident. Right. <laughs> with, I have to admit, with my buddies, when I'm fishing for fun with my buddies, I'm putting about sixty percent into my. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm trying to still jig wrap and net his fish, you know. <laughs> like oh shoot, it you're getting a hundred percent out of my left hand. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, so you're up for a what if? All right, I, I have. I, to I need ask... a break though. Why? I just need one. All right, fine. Just a quick one. Okay. Well, whatever. I'm going to what if you? Okay, well, well, okay. Okay, okay, Dan. Okay, well. We're going to go fishing in Quebec. <laughs> I love fishing in Quebec. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's Labor Day weekend. Maybe they'll sponsor us. <gasps> Letter Kenny Letter sponsorship. Kenny? <gasps> Dude, forget travel, Manitoba. What if we got Katie to do our commercials? All right. Anyway. You're going to have to put video in here. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be on top of a Chevy Silverado. <laughs> She's going to be just looking at jigging wraps. <laughs> Okay, so it's Labor Day weekend. Okay. Yep. I want to go fish walleyes specifically. Yep. On the Cast Lake chain. Oof, duh. Okay. I only want to catch walleyes, though. If I catch anything else, I'll be upset. What is your plan? Okay, leading up to it, it's similar to last year. Do I get a day to pre fish or not? Sure. It's your life. You can do whatever you want. Okay. 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 So, but if you do pre-fish, you got to tell me your pre-fish strategy. Sure. Hmm. I don't care Cast, what lake we're on. Okay. Sure. But we're on the Cast Lake Cast chain. Cast Lake chain. Okay. Okay, well. Okay, Dan. So my pre-fish day, I am going to take one. If I agree to the trip, it would only be if I had a day to pre-fish in. Because it's a long ways from home, and I, I fish it somewhat often, but not a lot. I, so my pre-fish day, I'm going to launch on Pike Bay. And I, I think that's probably going to work. I think I'm going to fish some, some weed edges on Pike Bay, um, rigging big minnows, jig wrapping. And then I'm also going to look at some deeper, deeper stuff, like, like 20, deep, deep 25 to 35 feet okay. of water. And those fish mark super good, and usually you can get them on a jig wrap. And, um, so I'm going to do that, and I'm going to feel pretty good about that working. Might not. If it doesn't work, I'm going to go to my, like, home waters of Cass, which is Allen's Bay in the north end. And Allen's Bay, I'm going to fish weed edges. I'm going to do the same stuff. Weed edges in 25 to 35 feet of water. Then um, I'm going to have them meet me at Pike Bay Access. I think Pike Bay is probably going to be it for, for a guide trip. And we're going to... Why, gonna, why do you say that? Uh, they're going to be little keepers. I think we're going to have um, 10... 10 keepers for two people, and they're going to be 15, 16s probably. Perfect. And then uh, we might get one real big one off that deep water. Nice. Yep. yep. If it didn't work out that way and I ended up on the main lake, my numbers would maybe be a little bit lower, um, and I'd be fishing, I'd be rigging night crawlers and big minnows and jig wrapping. I think it'd work out okay. Oh, and I have a, I have a, I have a, I'd maybe I'd definitely have a backup plan out there too. I'd have a plan that would bail me out on on the main lake, and I don't want to name it. 
but I would pull off of the main lake, like fish the day, you know, get a feel for it if things are going to work. If it's not going to work, I'm going to be off of the main lake on a smaller, smaller one doing some, doing some 16th ounce jig and night crawler stuff. Nice. Yep. And that would probably, if I'm there, I'm probably there with an hour and a half or two hours to fish. If it's a half day, I guess. But I'm there, I'm there at not premium times. And we probably struggled in the morning if I'm there. And I bet we catch six or seven out of, out of some shallow weedy stuff, um, with a 16th ounce jig and a night crawler, and they're, like, pretty pumped because, like, the morning kind of sucked. Right. <laughs> but we worked really hard, and now we've got six of them. Mm-hmm. That's pretty. And I think they're nicer fish, too. I think they're 17s to 20s. Nice. Yep. But Cass Lake will kick you right in the teeth. So I should just lay that out as a possible outcome. <laughs> 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 we always have, like, pretty pretty cherry ends to our what ifs Mm -hmm. and it might be like sorry folks uh here's a card for chad benson (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah all right we gotta we gotta keep moving here what are you doing this week what's gonna work i'm gonna be i'm gonna go up pan fishing uh, a couple days uh i got some trips where i picked the lake i am gonna go to the old faithful money money lake Mm -hmm. one day and hopefully it's as good as it uh, has always been. Um, I had a real tough day up there a week ago or so, and I need redemption. Mm-hmm. I need to make sure that there's still fish up there. Um, but really, for the next four days, I'm bailing hay, so that's pretty sweet. Did I bail hay? No, you unloaded a load of hay. Dang it. That is not bailing hay. Dang it. Okay. That's okay, though. You know, it's just a taste of what's to come. You gonna catch a bunch of walleyes this week? I think I'm gonna. Like I, I don't want to be too optimistic. Yep. But the signs are there that, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna do okay. Right. I don't think it'll be as good as it was earlier this week, but I think I'm gonna have some. We're getting to that time of year where we're gonna find them on the clam beds. They're gonna be easy to mark, and they're gonna be really willing to cooperate. Yeah, I would agree. That's the nice part about them. Is those. Those fish on the clam beds eat, and uh, I'm excited for it, especially since the bugs are kind of going away. Yep, bugs are away. Yeah. I got a little bit of everything this week. Walleyes tomorrow. Panfish Thursday. Uh, Muskie and bass Friday. Nice. With two people I'm just very very pumped to be in the boat with for a variety of reasons but one of my favorites uh Bob and his grandson Quinn are coming fishing and it's much needed for for everybody that'll be that'll be a bunch of fun and then uh yeah I think I'm I'm gonna shift my focus more towards walleyes and hope that it's always a gamble because the panfish thing is a guarantee right for us as close as it gets as close as it gets to a guarantee you should yeah Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. Not a guarantee, but that's the, the best thing we got going for um, for quality numbers and, and fish fry days. And, yeah, I think we're going to see the turn. The one thing that could upset it a little bit is we're supposed to get some heat this week. And the water temps, I think, are probably past their peak, but they could get right back up there right. with a couple hot days. So we'll see. Yeah, we had like 78 degrees or 79 yeah, I had a day on Little Boy, well, my, my musky day on Little Boy, 
It was 81 and a half degrees out there. That is hot. That is as hot as I see <clears throat> Yeah. But then Leech last night was like 74, 75 degrees. Yesterday? So, yep. That's okay. Yep. Shoot, that's 14 degrees away from being... Primo. Primo. Yeah. And it really doesn't take that long. Shoot, and for two, two months we're going to be... We'll have a frost up here in a couple weeks, right? <laughs> Not a couple weeks, but a month and a half, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but All right. I think the the worst is behind us now. I think so. Yep. Short so, one. Short. Short. Bad or er, short worst dog days. period. Yep. Yeah. Maybe the shortest we'll have in a long time. Yeah. Last year was a long dog day. It was for sure. <laughs> but it's good. It's all good from here on out. Yep. Um. Last few things, Sean Moran responded to uh, our jig rack, jig grab conversation, and he said, like, and I think he's right, even though the, wa- the water's warm now, we are behind the times for the year. And so he just thinks, give it a couple weeks, mm-hmm. which, which I think he might be right about. He also mentioned swim jigging a, a shiver minnow. I haven't done a lot of that. I know a couple guys who do that uh, on the weed edges. I'm going to maybe experiment with that if I get some time to myself. Um, and then another guy asked for favorite jig wrap colors. So give him three. Top I'll three? Give him three. Glow green tiger. It's like watermelon. Yep. Ooh, that's dirty. Uh, UV orange. I like that one too. Okay. And then the blue tiger. Okay, you're just avoiding the ones I'm going to name, are you? No. No, those are your three, those your top three, three. Yep. Okay. Glow yellow perch, for sure. Everyone uses glow yellow perch. Everybody. Maybe that's why you don't catch them, because you don't use it. Shut your mouth. Uh, parrot, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then... I'd be like my number four. Parrot would be your number four. Mm-hmm. And then I think you need something metallic. So there's like blue metallic, um, red, metallic red metallic, and then purple. That's, oh. that's Johnny Darter. Purple metallic, Johnny Darter. So I think that would be my number three. I don't know the name of it. Dude, I throw more Johnny Darters than I do Jiggin' Raps. I like them. I like the antifreeze perch jig and wrap. It's a metallic perch. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the metallic purple. So we like a bunch of them. I, pr- I counted them this spring. I had like 48 of them. <laughs> jig and wraps. Just jig and wraps. What do you call the things you hang over little kids that spin around? You're ta- you're barking up the wrong tree. Here, uh, right? What is it called? You know, they like, they like the little kids, they look at them as they spin. Do you I know, know what I I'm talking about? Uh, uh, it looks like... It's, it's not a not carousel. It's, not it's a... I don't know. All right. I don't know either. Rotisserie but I'm going to make chicken. one for my baby. Are you? I'm going to... Jig and wraps. All my old jig wraps, I'm going to cut the hooks off of them and make one of those things for the kid. And then whichever kid they reach... Whichever color the kid reaches up and touches, that's what I'm fishing with that day. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yep. <laughs> Born to be a fisher. <laughs> All right. Should we be done? I think so. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the questions. Keep them coming. Keep telling people to listen, listen to the podcast. We appreciate it. You can be like, hear what those sending... dummies said last week. <laughs> keep the questions coming too. That's It's real valuable to us. I think they make great episodes because we get them sort of spontaneously and we don't, it leads to good conversation about something that wasn't necessarily on our radar. Mm-hmm. And it probably leads to more sincere and like genuine feedback from us mm-hmm. when we have to deal with something we weren't really expecting because yeah, genuinely we're not very sincere 
Genuinely, you're not. Genuinely, I'm going to punch you. I sincerely mean you better not. You bring up wheel bolts one more time. <laughs> <laughs> right, How about thanks. a center council? We're not having this conversation. <laughs> thanks for listening, everybody. Adios.